Roll the video, Ian. My pleasure, Evan. <laughs> oh, there he is. Suddenly in the other doorway. He's like a Jack Frost or something. Well, Jack Frost is apt, you know. I that, know. That's His who produced this record. Pseudonym. The wi- like, I, I really don't get the wig. You know what I love is like the extras sort of looking... Some of them look very 2009, right. like hipster, and some look like they're in the 40s. 1949, right. Yeah. The wig, I saw someone say that he was he was trying to look like Tom Petty. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but he kind of does. <laughs> that's my favorite part of the whole thing. He's so Who good. laughs this way, ho, 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 ho. With the cigar suddenly. He's such a ham in this. Psh, I, I love Santa. it so much. Must be Santa. Must be Santa, Santa Claus. And he's wearing sort of like a like a pajama set, it appears. Yeah, and he's like allowing people to touch him. <laughs> it's, it's like a different person. Well, he's wearing a wig. It's, you know, it is. That's just Jack Frost. Right, right. That shot where you see outside of the like the house, <laughs> the, the music is like faded for a second. It seems like a pretty cool party. I, I would love to be a guest here. It seems like the best party of all time. Yeah. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. Fuck. Oh now here comes this here comes this guy. This rap scallion, this like guy running down the stairs the through the party, into the living room, up on a bookshelf, throwing ornaments. Throwing glasses and ornaments. This part where where they list the, uh, the reindeer and then the presidents mixed in there. All the guests on Epstein's Island. Yeah. <laughs> Must be sa- swinging on the chandelier. It's fantastic. A, the little movements Bob does with his hands. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. He's really, he's really leaning into the, sh- the role of the showman in this video. Like, I've never seen him, like, be so willing to just, like, have a good time and put on a show. And look at this. He's got the Santa cap. And this this is the bet. This is my favorite right here. That the the head turn right there at the end with Santa. <laughs> you know that little head turn that he does is like the only amount of actual acting he has to do and it is bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is still the man who made uh Hearts of Fire, lest we forget. You, you, no, you really see the Hearts of Fire um come out when he does that little He's supposed to express emotion on screen in a scripted way, and it just looks weird. He like does like kind of two different little movements. It's, it, he doesn't commit to just one choice. Very shoddy acting, but um, that's not what we came to this video for. Of course, Ian and I just watched the video for the song "Must Be Santa." Bob Dylan's hit single from the 2009 release, <laughs> "Christmas in the Heart." Christmas in the Heart. Um, the Christmas album. Uh, is it the only one he's ever done? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're back. Jokerman is here, and uh, I hope you have your eggnog and your Christmas uh, ham. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I don't, I've only celebrated a few Christmases That's what in my boy life. On, on Christmas. Yeah, th- no, this is your moment to shine. It really and is. You're, you're the, the Gentile among us. <laughs> and uh, this is Jokerman Podcast, and this is the last episode of the year. This is really 
a, a huge capstone event. And I, I think, uh, you know, what better way to end the year than with a huge capstone album, the cap stone. Yeah. Your, your, your Jewish side is, is showing through right now and your lack of enthusiasm for the spirit. No, no, I like the spirit. I love the spirit. You know, it's, it's the Holy the, Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It's the most lo- wonderful I love time of the year. that guy. Yeah. Holy, you got the Holy Ghost. You got uh, Chris, uh, Chris Kringle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, father, son, yeah. and Santa. Father, time, and Santa. It's God, Jesus, and Santa, the three. You know, that's that's the, the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Yes. Is where's Mary Magdalene fit in there? She's uh, um, she's not part of the Trinity because it's the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. She's Santa's wife. No girls. <laughs> yeah, she's. Uh, Santa's she would go wife. on to become Mrs. Claus. Well, that makes sense. That Mo- uh, Molly, <laughs> Mary Magdalene, Santa's wife. How else is Jesus born? You <laughs> exactly. have to. It's well. This is the sort of un unspoken part of that story you know the the immaculate conception it's immaculate because it wasn't uh you know there wasn't another human anyway but according to uh that song that uh what's the song that says santa's an elf uh that would be the night before christmas well that's not really a song right that's it's like a story like a little poem story well in that it says the jolly old elf right jolly old elf my point is that mary magdalene was uh uh, inseminated by Santa Claus, right. who is not fully human, but the and so the the baby produced was sort of. Um, I'm saying Santa was sort of like the surrogate, some sort of Christian which, elf magic means, which is interesting because right. usually you think of uh, elves as Jews, but in this case, elves are Christian. <laughs> yeah, it's J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, no, no, no. You're you're actually wrong, Ian. Elves are not Jews. Um, goblins are Jews. Oh, right, that's apparently. right. <laughs> um, elves are always uh, blonde, you know, or or well, well, yeah, I mean, I think it care. depends on what magical universe you're thinking about. Because like Harry Potter, yes, the, the goblins are the Jews, but in elves, like, elves are not Jewish because elves don't have um, Jewish features. They have like the you know tiny, tiny little pointed nose. Right. Yeah. They they are all or, kind of or Aryan. A really long, like long pointy nose. Right. Um, but in like the, something the like ears. the Lord of the Rings, what, wh- who's that? Cause there are no goblins in Lord of the Rings. Who, who are the Jews yeah, in no, Lord there, of the Rings? I think there's probably goblins somewhere. They're, in Lord they of the they Rings. have orcs. Yeah. Are you saying so that the, the Jew- orcs are Jews? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The orcs are sort of like burly Eastern European. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the Jokerman Christmas, Christmas special folks. Uh, this is just a nice little treat being dropped in your stocking here at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, e- eugenics. <laughs> Off to a rousing start. Um, yeah, we we are we are breaking canon, breaking breaking album order here. Um, but that is because there is no more appropriate time to talk about Christmas in the heart than than Christmas. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure to get this in and, and bring it to all of you here right at the very end. Um, I don't think we've said our names yet. My name is Ian. No, I said. I think I said my name is Evan. No. But anyway, okay. 
Uh, well, One I'll more take, time for the people in the back. Yeah. I'll take this moment also to remind you all to go subscribe to our Patreon because we're going to say this at the beginning of every episode because we are yep. trying to professionalize. That's very goblin-like of you. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're rubbing off on me. Um, uh, subscribe to our Patreon. There's a link in the episode description. Rate and review on all the podcast platforms. And uh, what else? Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I promise this will this will become less awkward the more that we do it. So we just got to power through the first couple times and have it be weird, and then and then it'll be fine. You can just like hit the thirty second fast forward button once you get used to it. Um, yeah, but you might miss me um, calling Ian a filthy Jew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, Christmas in the heart. Um, I mean, do we have anything? Do we have any any scenes to set or any any opening comments uh, before this is a, this is of course a two thousand nine album, right? So it's about eleven years old at this point. Um, came out, uh, I guess, the, around the same time that Together Through Life did, right? That was another two thousand nine release. Is that right? I'm pretty sure I'm but right because it was Modern Times two thousand six, Together Through Life two thousand nine, Tempest twenty twelve. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was in a, I was a freshman in high school. I was, and a, I don't really remember this coming out. Right. Yeah. I, I certainly don't remember. I, I actually do. I think remember it coming out cause I was a, what was I junior senior in high school something like that. Um, and that was kind of right around the time I was really beginning to get into Bob, uh, get into Christmas <laughs> and this came out and I was like, well, what is this guy doing putting out a Christmas record? He's an, he's an old kind of washed up nobody this must be no good and so i never i never really gave it a fair shake even though i am a big christmas music fan um and uh, and only in the last couple seasons has it has it come to grace my ears um do you ever do you, have yeah, have you listened yeah. to much christmas music yourself evan i mean uh i i've been alive for the past 26 years okay. so yeah i've i've inadvertently listened to much christmas music well cuz i will literally like i will just spend the entire month of december just listening to christmas music like on spotify and and itunes and apple music and stuff well i mean i've been doing that basically i i'll do that occasionally you know i don't i would never think to do that any other time than christmas well like yes in the around christmas time i mean i'm not one of these i think it's like totally perverted when people like put up their Christmas tree in November. Right. Well, people like that. I don't know. I, I think the whole Christmas industrial complex has really harshed the, the genuine Christmas spirit that, um, I think this album, uh, seeks to Mm. sort of, uh, invoke. I think that there's like something really fucked up and sad about like this, this, uh, oppressive, like, do Christmas now like thing where like the season starts, you know, two months before it really starts. Um, it, it harshes the vibe. I don't know what to say. You've got, um, you've got to accept that it's a fleeting moment. It is ephemeral. And that you, you should just be a grown up about that and enjoy the, you know, the month of it. That's fair. Yeah, I think, but like, don't, don't pull this, Thing where you're gonna stretch it out to anyway that's just my personal gripe i think that christmas has been uh there's a war on christmas but it's actually from the people who love christmas the most sometimes mm. it's people who can't understand that to really love christmas you have to um let go 
a little, mm-hmm. you know? Well said. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Thanksgiving, I think, is, is the appropriate time to sort of start, or like post-Thanksgiving is the appropriate time to start psyching yourself up for Christmas, not post-Halloween. That's, you know, that's a little too yeah. late. Yeah, um, but I think it is still, a, it, it is, I, you know, the, the, the Christmas, uh, you know, shopping season and all of that is is often uh, an object of scorn and ridicule but I, I think the best way to understand christmas or the way that i've come to understand christmas myself uh, as a as a non-religious protestant uh is as a as an american holiday more so than a christian holiday uh, and i do mm-hmm. think there is something actually really nice uh in the you know just kind of time that we get to spend thinking about um you know, uh, the people in our lives and what they like and what is important to them and what, what sort of little yeah. trinkets and, and odds and ends we can present to them that will make them feel good and special and make them understand that we understand who they are as, you know, That's as other people yeah. in our lives. That's gorgeous. That's, I mean, the, it, what it is, is it's an extended sort of birthday, um, a sort of uh, universalized birthday that... Uh, you know, that's how I feel about birthdays. The same way I feel about Christmas is how I feel about birthdays. Like you, uh, you use this as a moment to acknowledge, as you said, the, the people that are still around, you know, and, uh, and those that have come before, it's sort of just a, a humanistic, uh, type of, type of holiday type right. of feeling. And, um, of course, you know, what better human to center that around than, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well said. Well, um, on that note, should we should we take a take a sleigh ride through the little patch of Christmas songs that Bob has presented us here, just like the folks on the cover of the album? Yes. Uh, instead of the harmonica, is there like a different Christmas instrument that we could have? Um, sort of. Mm, I mean, you could do like some sleigh bells, like. But that's that's not really the same as a yeah. harmonica. There's no like Christmas horn. Um, no, not to the best <laughs> of my knowledge. Uh, actually, you could do you could do one of those. Um, if you can find the sound clip, um, the from I think it's from the Nutcracker that like do 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 do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the Jewish people have the shofar, uh, the ram's right, horn. the ram's horn, or the Jew's harp. <laughs> the Jew's harp is a name for the shofar. No, it's it's the little mouth thing that you yeah. put in your mouth yeah. and like flick. Yeah, yeah seems um, anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's called that. Um, anyway, I guess I'll just put sleigh bells. Fuck it. All right. Well, side A, track one. Uh, you know what? <laughs> what better song to start it off with? Here comes Santa Claus. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Here he comes. This is a song about Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus Lane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What state? In what state is Santa Claus Lane? <laughs> in what in what city? In what American city? I always think of Christmas taking place in America somewhere like kind of in like Pennsylvania area or like upstate New York or not upstate but like western New York or something like that. I have some devastating news for you. What's that? It's Christmas all over the it world. It is. I know. That's the strange. The strangest thing to me is that Christmas in like Australia is a warm holiday. Like Santa is like a beachgoer down there because it's the middle of the summer. 
He's not. He, he I mean, it's they're 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 all no, hanging no, loose. No, no, he's not. What I'm mm. saying is that Santa's real, but he does not visit Australia. <laughs> um, they they just they have to tell their children that. Yeah, they're too Santa. Santa on the beach—that's ludicrous. <laughs> Get a grip. What do you think about this version of "Here Comes Santa Claus"? It's a good song. Um, By Bob it's a good Dylan. version. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good song. It's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it is good. It's good. Uh, you I know, like there's it too, there's yeah. some nice little little bells there at the beginning that that kind of bring in. Uh, this is this is a sort of a jaunty version. Bob is singing it a little faster. Um, you know, who doesn't love Here Comes Santa Claus? It's, it's a pretty lighthearted one as far as the Christmas songs go, but it, it seems like a perfect uh, kind of opener to what what's going on here. Yeah, and I, I think uh, the most noticeable thing, of course, for, for us, something we should remark on is this is the first time on Jokerman that we're talking about late period 2009 Bob voice. Yeah, you know? 21st century Bob. It's it's a, an extension of of what we have been talking about recently, like in the Old Mercy era. You know when he when he really adopts and leans into this this grizzled, world weary, worn in vocal fry kind of thing. Uh, but this obviously is uh, you know twenty years later than than even Old Mercy was. So it's really really kind of worn in. Um, but um, I, I think like that uh, that thing I posted a couple weeks ago that was Elvis. Um, Talk Elvis Costello talking about rough and rowdy ways and how people like kind of you know say Bob is a bad singer then they don't really know what singing actually is. I think there's I think this is you know a <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to get into the Christmas album uh, as as the perfect uh, example of this necessarily. We'll we'll get to talk about this more on the other real records as they come up. But I think there is an important distinction between you know like 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 just natural kind of quality of voice and natural and, and then like, you know, ability to sing and, and Bob is sort of the perfect um, illustration of the, the um, like the split between those two things. Cause technically speaking, Bob doesn't have a, you know, naturally uh, uh, appealing voice by this point. If you're judging it just based on like, you well, know, if, aesthetic if what value. you like to listen to is sort of like these nameless faceless, uh, Song like people you, you hear music by in an Uber, right? Where it just sounds like nothing. He would never, um, he would never get to feature on a Calvin Harris song. Let's just put it that way. See, I don't know who that is. Well, um, it's one of these names. <laughs> Sean, isn't there one named Sean? Sean Mendez, like one of these just nobodies. Yeah, I don't know who that um, is. Calvin Harris is like yeah, the DJ guy. Um, okay, see, it, interchangeable to me. Um, but Dylan can obviously carry a tune, and what's more, he has a voice that is like full of character, and has only become more and more full of character to the point where we're hearing it here. And I think you know, at, at the point we are at in in Dylan history in 2020, it's like so full of character that it's like uh, cosmic. It's it's incredible. It's become like. You know, it, it, he contains uh, the multitudes, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, this is an interesting uh, record just to listen to for, for the way that Dylan's grizzled voice is um, juxtaposed with the candy floss mm-hmm. type of uh, instrumentation. Yeah, very pleasant, very smooth, very professional kind of music behind him. 
Um, some of it is just sort of Christmassy standard kind of sound, uh, not too far off from what he's been doing on the last couple, you know, records. Um, some of it is there's a couple ones that are like almost kind of bluegrassy, with um, I think like the fiddle um, here and there. Obviously, uh, must be Santa is its own thing. Polka. Hmm. That's like a polka. Polka. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's some slide guitar popping up here and there. You know, it's, it's just like a very kind of simple, smooth palette that, that he's been working in over the last couple decades. Um, but yeah, the, the voice is juxtaposed against that. But even though it isn't, you know, uh, even though he isn't the kind of guy who would win on American Idol, you can tell that he knows what he's doing. He knows how to sing these songs. Uh, extremely relevant institution. Well. <laughs> American Idol, yeah. Even though he wouldn't win on The Masked Singer, um, you know that he... Uh, you can tell that he knows what he's doing as a singer. Um, with yeah, his he's voice. a fucking great singer. I don't even, we're, we're we're pussyfooting around it. He's an incredible singer. Yeah, he's fantastic. And uh, here comes Santa Claus. Is you know just the a perfect a great, example. A, a great example of that. Um, we shouldn't. We should. Uh, what what can I say? Can we? We should put on our snowshoes and trapes along along the snow mm-hmm. to the next song. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you, uh, Evan, do you hear what I hear? Yeah. You'll hear something? That's what this song is about. Yeah. Um, yes, I do. <laughs> this is this is one of the songs that is about uh, Jesus, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the record do is split hear... like kind of roughly 50-50 between Christian and secular. And this is the first one, Secular, Santa... Or you know whatever, uh, and then this one. Well, we've we've already made clear that Santa is Santa a is actually part of the uh, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, right. The nativity. Well, this story. is more of your classical kind of religious instead of neo religious Santa worship. This is more of your classical Jesus worship here. Do you hear what I hear? Yeah. Well, apparently, something Dylan said was. Uh, about Christmas music, he said it's so worldwide, and everybody can relate to it in their own way. That's true. So, you know, do you hear what I hear? This song is not necessarily about the baby Jesus. It's, it's also about, you, you hear that? I don't know. Uh, what were the lyrics to this song again? Uh, said the little lamb in this universe of this song, the lamb can speak. Yes. Right. Yeah. I guess so. Said the little lamb. Do you hear what I hear? To the little boy. Right. I I think the I think this is yeah. This has something to do with like do the manger and the three know. kings and yeah. stuff. They're all just saying like, "Have you heard the news that there's the new boy?" Right. Yeah. Um, there's a, another song like this um, later on. Um, you know, it's, it's it's something we're going to run into that some of these songs share themes. Uh, <laughs> There's only one certain, or two. They have certain thematic uh, threads that sort of unite them, and uh, we're going to get to the bottom of that. Oh, interesting. This, one this, is, this, this song was only written in 1962. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Doesn't this song seem like it was written, like, hundred years ago. Yeah, it seems like it's sort of an old kind of standard. Like it, it, it sounds like the kind of song that like originally was sung in German or something, and then like became anglicized at some point. But no, it was written by Noel Regney 
and Gloria Shane, a married couple uh, who wrote it as a plea for peace during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. What? Regney had been invited by a record producer to write a Christmas song, but he was hesitant due to the commercialism of Christmas. This song has subsequently (laughs) sold tens of millions of copies and has been covered by hundreds of artists. This was made by some like beatniks who were just like worried about the uh, the commerciality of Christmas yes. and the impending nuclear disaster. Yes. Oh well, this explains it. the 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 main songwriter Noel Regney, a Frenchman. <laughs> okay. C'est de He was drafted into the Nazi army. Going back. What do you mean? The, the Frenchman, right here. The guy who wrote the song. He was in. He was a Nazi soldier. He was drafted into the Nazi army despite being a Frenchman, uh, as an Al- <laughs> as an Alsatian. So he's from the the Alsace. Uh, the Alsace. Uh, he spoke the German dialect Alsatian as fluently as French. Um, it is said. It is said that he soon deserted, joined a group of French resistance fighters, and became a double agent working for the French. He led uh, a party uh-huh. of Nazis into an ambush, was shot in oh. the arm, and and then survived somehow. <laughs> Thank God he survived. To <laughs> write this. I'm glad we're doing this now because we've discovered that "Do You Hear What I Hear" was was written by a literal uh, former Nazi. Well. Literal carries a lot of weight if we're to believe that this is a, um, you know, he, that he did do those heroic things and was actually... Well, he only a, later became the double agent. He, whether or not he became a double agent right. sometime after, he was originally just a single agent, and that was an agent of the Nazis. Wow. <laughs> All right, I don't like this song that much, honestly. Actually, yeah, no, just to say, not one of it's my not favorites. one of my favorites. It's not like a favorite Christmas song. And um, wow, interesting story though. There's there's a little chestnut like that after all of these songs. I uh, I would assume. Well, wait, I hope you're keeping track because I'm not right now. Yeah, we'll see. Um, this next one is called uh, Winter Wonderland. Mm-hmm. I know this song. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, a winter wonderland. This one starts with Wonderland. Mm-hmm. There's sort of like a, a special. There, there is a, a, a vocal uh, component to this whole record that uh, at various points, uh, some some singers, some carolers, really uh, get involved, are in the mix, and uh, this is one of those. Sleigh bells ring, <laughs> and they sing. Uh, it's good, you know. Walking in a winter wonderland. You've got a very uh, Tom Waits kind of uh, uh, voice No, that'd there. be like, walking in a winter wonderland. Yeah. Well, I hurt my voice just by doing that. Yeah, you got to take it easy. I don't know how Tom does it. Um, you know, winter wonderland. What what can we say? <laughs> the, the, new, the new Jokerman catchphrase going into 2021. What can we say? What can we say? Yeah. I'm looking just in time to start doing this for money. Right. <laughs> well, what is there to say? That'll be five dollars, please. Um uh interestingly, we we can use this uh moment. I'm I'm looking at uh, you know, some ancillary information from a certain website about this album. Um 
in an interview about this this record, you know, when it came out, uh, Bob was asked why he had performed the songs in such a straightforward style, to which he responded, there wasn't any other way to play it. These songs are part of my life, just like folk songs. You have to play them straight, too. Yeah, and then, yeah no, that, that makes total sense. And then the interviewer uh, uh, responded and said that many critics, you know, cursed fake news media, uh, believe the album to be an ironic treatment oh, of Christmas songs. At which, point, at which point, Bob said... Critics like that are on the outside looking in. They are definitely not fans or the audience that I play to. They would have no gut-level understanding of me and my work, what I can and can't do, the scope of it all. Even oh at this God. point in time, they still don't know what to make of me. Holy shit. That is actually one of the best retorts I've ever heard from Bob Dylan. I think that's exactly, that says it all. No, that really does say it all. Wow. I mean that's justice. That's that's well, well deserved burning. Absolutely. Can you imagine? That's you know who said that. You know who said, "I believe it's an ironic album." Dylanologists. Yeah, that's who. Exactly. Who in the world could ever possibly think that Bob would be recording these songs ironically? Absolutely disgusting. Bob really put them in their place there. Wow. Yeah. This is. This is not ironic. Yeah, how could it truly? I mean, I can't say it any better than Bob just put it in in that uh, little that little quote. They have no understanding of what's going on here. They are on the outside looking in. How sad, really. I mean, I could get angry, but it's really just sad and kind of gross that anybody could look at this and think that it's it's anything other than what it is, you know, I'll, I'll quote, trying to spread some Christmas cheer. I'll quote from uh, a, a review of the album. I won't mention where the review comes from, but I will say the review assigned this album a score of 6.8. So you, you, can, you can make your own guesses about where this, this comes from. Uh, it says, this might be one of the critics that Bob is responding to here. There's something silly about Christmas music. There's something silly about Bob Dylan singing Christmas Island, and there's a lot silly about the cheesecake portrait of Betty Page in a Santa suit and garters that graces the inside CD booklet. Ergo, 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 how seriously are we supposed to take Christmas in the heart? And moreover, how seriously are we supposed to take Bob Dylan in 2009? Who are these sick? Like, who, what? This is, this is grotesque. I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm doing the jerk off motion. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't mean to take the Lord's name in vain of all times no, right now. Of all times. To to deny the simple pleasure of, of something like this is like just a, an own goal. Like you're just, uh, why would yeah, you do I, that? I, I don't understand how you can be a a quote-unquote professional music critic. And even in 2009, which this like sort of style of criticism has definitely passed out of, out of favor at this point. Um, I just, that's, I, that's not to say we're like poptimists over here. No, certainly not. We're just, we're just fans of Bob. We're just a couple of guys who like Bob. And, and we like Christmas. And like Christmas. Exactly. I bet it just like, I don't, I don't understand how you could ever 
how, how that could ever be your take on what is going on here, even even in the halcyon days of 2009. It's just like, I, it, I guess really what it is, is it's a testament to to Bob himself in right. his ability to just continuously, I, I, but I don't even, see, I, I was going to no, say no. his ability to He's confound, not trying to He's plumbing. not trying, exactly. He's not trying to confound anyone with it. He literally just likes Christmas songs. He yeah, wants yeah. to record Christmas songs because- They were part of his life, you know, growing up. I mean, he was, he's Jewish, you know, basically his upbringing was, I mean, not particularly religiously Jewish at all, but, you know, in, in fact- Christmas music was a big part of his his growing up, and you know, just like living in the Midwest, he was just like a regular kid in the Midwest. Yeah, of course, Christmas was like a big part of that. And uh, how old was he when this uh, came out? Well, what he was born forty one, and this was two thousand nine, so he would have been fifty nine, sixty eight. Yeah, sixty eight. Yeah, yeah. So, like, have you been asleep for the last like forty years of Bob Dylan's career? <laughs> it's like not everything he does is. If if there's anything we've learned in our time so far doing this podcast, it's that like the ironic thing kind of stopped happening for Bob Dylan. Yeah, by the time it was sixty seven. Yeah, he was done. Yeah. He was like not not doing irony in the way that whatever music critic who wrote that. I mean, obviously that was Pitchfork, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's also interesting though, just to think about what that means for like, you know, in two thousand nine. What was the last record? You said the record that came out around then, and then the one right before it. Was yeah, it was well. Modern Times had been two thousand six, and then Together Through Life had come out the same year. Right. I mean, it, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think Bob Dylan is aware of irony or like is you know always totally earnest. In fact, I think he's gotten he a lot of what he does is even right now is just like I just don't know if I would call it irony. What he has is a sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. This, I think that's and it. this record is like yeah, it's not without a sense of humor. But that doesn't mean it's like he's being um, snarky by making this. Yeah, I he's mean, he's being he, uh, playful. He's being playful, uh, and he's being that... he's being a, an entertainer. I think that's what that's what people yes. yeah. miss and have missed, and that's what he's been trying to hammer into everyone's skulls for the last fifteen years, especially with the the standards covers. At least fifteen. I mean, talk about uh, Budokan. He's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, dating back. Yeah, he's it, an it's entertainer. gone through his. It's gone through his entire career. But like he, 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 he is a he is an entertainer. He is a a singer and a performer, and obviously, you know, one of the greatest, most gifted, most talented songwriters of all time. But at the end of the day, he's just he sees himself in the same lineage as Elvis and as Sinatra and as. Um, um, you know anyone else who gets up on stage? Little Richard. Little I Richard. Mean, yeah. The the thing though is that I think that if we are being totally honest and we want to try to better, if we really want to try to get at the bottom of like why somebody would have that response to this record and not believe that it's just like what it is and that it's just a simple, heartfelt, nice little thing, um, I think we have to contend with the. The huge shadow that his, like, you know, the mid-60s work really cast over his entire career. Which, you know, those records are uh, probably in the running, if not the most, like, sarcastic, 
tortured, cool guy type of albums ever made. So like so much of that music, um, I think colored how people viewed him because it's so powerful because like, you know, blonde on blonde and, and highway 61 and, and all that stuff is so powerful. Um, I think it, it's really hard for a lot of people and apparently a lot of critics even to like understand that that was just a moment in time. Exactly. And that that's not like the real core of this man. That was him when he was in his mid twenties, early twenties, like just being full of angst and like discovering poetry. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That And that is, I think exactly what we have tried to emphasize on this whole stupid fucking thing that we've been doing for this long is that, that is not Bob. That's not Bob Dylan. That's a guy. That's just a guy. That was two years of his life, half a decade ago. And the man who came all the years after, who released all of these other fucking, who released fucking Shot of Love and Knocked Out Loaded and Down in the Groove, that is 10 times more who he is than the guy who recorded Blonde on Blonde and Highway 61 and Bringing It All Back Home, at least by this time in his career. Um, and, uh, and, and those records in that period of time is so culturally significant. It's like encased in amber. And that's obviously why, um, uh, you know, this, you know, this pitchfork review and any, anyone else would have been responding to this music the way that they did, because they're believing that Bob Dylan in 1965 is the one who recorded this song, but it's Bob Dylan in 2009. 50 years later, there, people are still just like, we can't really get a hold of what this precocious young man is all about. It's ridiculous. Like he's four times your age. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we should go to the next song. Uh, Hark the Herald Angels (laughs) Sing. (laughs) Uh, You know what I like about this version? Hmm. You know, often with the song, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing, Hark has an exclamation point at the end of sure. it. <laughs> and, and Bob Dylan, in his delivery, he actually you can hear that exclamation point. He goes, Hark! So I, I appreciate so that. So he didn't feel the need to include the exclamation in the title. Well, yeah, uh, no, it's not in the title. There are certain little interesting, very subtle lyrical adjustments that I think Dylan makes to help make these songs his own. One that will come across later is, uh, I wonder if it's in the original lyrics, is presence on at the tree. Yeah, that is the original says, lyric. Is it? It is. Well, that I have further questions about this then. But uh, anyway, back to Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's this, when was this written? You're you're about to tell me it was written in like 1997. <laughs> and blow my mind. Let's see. Uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Okay, so this this is what I thought the the fucking last one was. This is from 1739. I mean, props to that French Nazi for <laughs> making a song that sounds like it was uh, always around. <laughs> Yeah, Christmas Carol that first appeared 1739 in the collection Hymns and Sacred Poems. Staying power. This song has it. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the Newborn King. I mean, there's no silliness about a lamb talking to a little boy. This is just um, really CNN for the 1700s, you know. (laughs) Have you heard that the boy Jesus was born? Do you know uh, what the next steps are for you and your family? 
Hark. And the Her- and the Herald Angels, you know, Hark. So yeah, it's a full thought. It's Hark, exclamation point. The Herald Angels sing. The new character. They sing Glory to the Newborn King. Right. I feel like uh, it took me a long time in my life to, uh, and hearing this helped, you know, to sort of really understand that whole phrase, you know, Hark. It's like understanding Shakespeare, you know, it takes a little bit of uh, effort to um, to really just get to the bottom of what's being said. But it's very clear to me now. Jesus is born. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one, not uh, not necessarily one of my favorites, I would say, at least as far as Christmas songs go. I think Bob delivers it well. Uh, He's very kind of um, uh, he's he's singing as hard as he can on this one. Um, It's. It's a little heavy, little heavy for me musically. I think uh, a lot of strings, very kind of you know thudding, um, and a lot of Christmas music is like that. I would say, and and uh, the stuff that is is not necessarily yeah, famously heavy music. Yeah, just like it's a heavy meal. You know, you eat a big old big old glazed ham, and you're listening to this very heavy music, and you're 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 full of mead and meat. It's it's uh, it weighs you down. Um, yeah. I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say on this one. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I agree. It's a, it's, it's for the, it's a, it's a bit stodgy, yeah. this song, but that's what happens when the song is around for 400 yes. years. <laughs> I wonder if, um, uh, I wonder if the guy who wrote this was doing irony when he, uh, originally wrote it. Yeah. Um, but that does bring us to the next song, and this is one of my very favorite Christmas songs. And Me too. This is a modern Christmas song, mm-hmm. if there ever was one. Um, I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'll Be Home for Christmas. When was this song written? Uh, this was 1943. You sa- that sounds about this right. the glory age. Cause, well, because this feels like uh, the golden age of Christmas music writing. You know, you've got structure to it uh, and lyrical play throughout it especially you know the sort of kicker at the end um that makes it feel in line with with the uh, anything on um triplicate you know any of those sort of american standard sort of uh sinatra fodder type of tunes yeah the um, song was actually originally written for you know it was written by just you know a couple like schmo songwriters back then probably a couple honestly Jews. probably but written for written for Bing Crosby. I love Bing Crosby. Who doesn't? One of my favorite things growing up, um, like a formative piece of media for me, was the uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad cartoon, the Disney. Mm-hmm. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, with Bing Crosby narrating both um, uh, the story of the Wind in the Willows with Mr. Toad and, of course, uh, really, really all over the place on... Um, yeah, I mean, he like introduces Win in the Willows right. thing, but he's all over the Ichabod one, <laughs> and he plays Ichabod. Anyway, I love Bing, even though he allegedly beat his children with a sack of oranges. Well, you know, you can't. Uh, I ju- I just hope that those oranges weren't studded with cloves. <laughs> uh, for the Christmas season. Uh, quick uh, follow-up note there. This song was, in fact, written by a Jew. Um, Walter, I knew it. Walter Kent, born Walter Maurice Kaufman, um, who ended up, uh, who was born to a Jewish family in New York, 
ended up uh, in 1911, ended up passing away in 1994 at the age of 18, uh, of 82 in the, <laughs> the, the Jews paradise of Woodland Hills, California. Woodland Hills. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the, uh, old folks at the Jewish old folks home in Woodland it, probably. Hills. Probably. Probably. That's where I want to die. In the Ju- the Jewish old folks home in Woodland Hills. Yes, <laughs> I instead of instead of like a, a, a cemetery plot, I just have like a chair next to a menorah <laughs> already picked out that I'm gonna die in. Uh, see, this is why Christmas is so great because you know this this song, one of the all time classic Christmas songs, several other classic Christmas songs, also written by Jews. It's it just it's an American it's an American phenomenon. White Christmas, yeah, Jewish, exactly. The whole Phil Spector Christmas album, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, the greatest Christmas song of all time. You know, Phil Spector, Jewish kid in I don't know. Fairfax. I don't think I know that song. You would but recognize Phil Spector it. is not, not one of the finest Jews to maybe bring up. Well, certainly a damn fine record producer. Didn't he have some kind of controversy? Well, he did uh, kill his wife. Uh, but that, you know... <laughs> I knew you, it was something. You of all people, Mr. Woody Allen fan, should be able to separate the art from the artist. I do it every day. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, the kicker at the end of the song, of course, is, you know, he's painting this picture of I'll be home for Christmas. It's going to be so nice. And um, then at the end, if only in my dreams. Oh, he, he probably won't be home for Christmas. Is there anything you want to say about the, the actual execution of this? I, I just think that it, I mean, we'll get into this down the line, but. I love Dylan doing sort of Sinatra stuff, type that type of that style, that old American songbook type of right. uh, writing, um, which you know I'll have plenty of chances to cl- go on and on about later on. But uh, yeah, this is like an early example of that, and and it's an interesting way to view this record. Actually, is as sort of like a dry run for um really the seven years that he spent doing um shadows in the night fallen angels and triple yeah yeah it's definitely in line with what he would go on to do a little uh, a little while later um and definitely you know uh, the these standards make themselves apparent uh on a record like this they can't help but not but i will know that like even dating back to like self-portrait like a song like copper kettle yeah yeah no. and you could even take that a bit further and just think about Dylan's entire ethos, uh, his whole uh, origin really is coming from like, you know, meeting up with Alan Lomax and, and being made privy to all that classic folk music and the blues, of course. Um, He's just one more link in a chain that stretches back decades. Yeah. And, and this record is um, just another example of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to- not I- ironic is not a word that would ever appear if you actually really were thinking using your fucking noggin when thinking about this album and and dylan's career is like no this it makes yeah it makes total sense that he acknowledged the connection to folk music because really christmas music is a type of folk music it absolutely is tin pan alley type of stuff i mean the american standards of uh sort of crooners that is a kind of folk music. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I think it's important to to draw a distinction. Uh, and I think this is the perfect song to draw that distinction on. I'll Be Home for Christmas. 
uh, originally written, uh, remember I said 1943, from the point of view of an American soldier stationed in France during the war who would not be home for Christmas. Um, and it is, you know... That soldier, <laughs> I mean, if things had gone differently, <laughs> he could have shot that Nazi. He's probably the guy who shot the French Nazi. That, yeah. that Nazi Frenchman. Um, uh, I'll be home for Christmas. It, you know, it has the word Christmas in the title, right? It's about Christmas. You listen to it in Christmas. But this is this is miles away from Here Comes Santa Claus. Like, this is a real song with a real kind of spirit and... Um, and and heft to it that something like um, Winter Wonderland or Rudolph or whatever, which are great and fun and you know classic and enjoyable. Um, Rudolph does not appear on this. There record. is no Rudolph, uh, unfortunately. I can't wait for the bootleg series about Christmas. <laughs> yes. Where you get Rudolph and you get maybe right, like a yeah, Hanukkah he's, song. Uh, doing the his cover version of the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song. Oh, on your yarmulke. <laughs> it's time for Hanukkah. <laughs> Oh, Christmas. Yeah. Um, um, no, but this song is um, notably, like, th- it's modern. This is a modern song with, like, real-life concerns built into it. And it's um, a good, a great song. It's just as, just as emotionally affecting as, you know, any other kind of um, uh, love ballad or, or um, like, pining kind of ballad. It's... It's coming from the same place that most of the yeah. time is coming from. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say this is like the Christmas version of most of the exactly. time. Exactly. Um, and most so, of the time, I don't think about Christmas. <laughs> most, most of the, of the time, time. So I'm clear focused all around without my ham. I think when you think without my ham, I think when you when you adopt that pose that. You know, just the the very nature of Bob doing Christmas songs is him doing irony or fucking whatever. Like you, uh, were, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. You were you were doing a discredit to to the the very quality of the songs themselves, and we don't need to 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 talk about it anymore necessarily. Yeah, yeah, no, you're just but like a, a song like this. This is just a classic of the American songbook. Like regardless of whether or not it's about Christmas or what, it's just like this is an all timer. Um, and, and especially the fact that it's so universal and, you know, you and I, yeah, it's listen- not just American. It's like this, this song. Yeah. Yeah. It might've been written from an American perspective, but it, it applies just as well to that Frenchman's, <laughs> you know, or, or the, or any, any, I think he was any, home for I don't, I, I don't want to extend this to the, to the Nazis, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the truth is, you know, I mean, uh, all quiet on the Western front, one of the books Dylan cited as a huge inspiration uh, when he did his Nobel speech mm. that, you know, a book, you, you know, we can't extend it to certain uh, people who are ended up in as Nazis. You know, <laughs> it's like you just uh, you, you don't you don't get to pick call the shots all the time. And sometimes you end up uh, killing Jews when you'd really rather be eating schnitzel with, with your honey your- baby. And with your sweetie, <laughs> your sweetie baby, pie. Back in you'd rather just be wearing your very comfortable, well-worn in lederhosen and um, not pressing a button that murders a family. Yeah, exactly. You want to be drinking uh, beer out of a big glass boot and, uh, you know, kind of getting your head stuck in a barrel. <laughs> yeah. And and not um, ethnically can- cleansing uh, the Jewish people of Eastern Europe. Yeah. The the final solution that everyone really wants is just to be home for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to figure out a way to get home. It's a great song. You know? 
all-timer classic. Uh, you know, this is a good rendition. Bob's voice really suits the the music and the sound and the spirit. Um, the backing vocals on this, I think, are also very nice. Uh, they kind of kick up halfway in. Um, it's uh, it's not the Dylanettes kind of thing. It's uh, it's like a male choir and doing some of that like kind of quartet, like ooh. Are you doing um, misogyny? Am I? Well, it's not the Dylanettes. Oh. It's a male choir, yeah. so it's much better. I, I, I stole that term from Chris Gow, uh, so I apologize uh, to the eighteen percent of Jokerman listeners who are girls. Um, I'm not doing misog- misogyny. I was just referencing the great Robert Chris Gow. Uh, who refers okay. to them as the Dylanettes. That's cool. Well, the next song is uh, Winter Wonderland again. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, it's... Uh, it's uh, Little Drummer Boy. Little Drummer Boy. pa rumpa pum pum Of course, this has been rebranded Little Drummer Person uh, in, in yeah. 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh so we shouldn't really talk about this song because it's transphobic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Little Drummer Boy is a great song that has, uh, what's that called? Uh, automatopoeia. Mm-hmm. And uh, this version of it has kind of like an interesting time signature. That drum fills or the uh, drum fill. It's just like the, <laughs> the drum, drum the, fill the, on Little Drummer <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, right up there with War Pigs is the, uh, <laughs> the, the little like cute, like miniature snare <laughs> on um on little drummer some real boy. expert work from Neil Pert on this version of Little Drummer Boy. <laughs> you know if they that could have been a choice, you know, to take this in that direction. Sure. But no, no, this is very much like a kind of uh very quaint, uh sweet little confection of a version of Little Drummer Boy. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean there is sort of like an interesting time signature thing where it just kind of like uh I don't know what time signature. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, it's kind of, he picks up the vocal kind of a little sooner yeah, yeah. than you'd think. I don't really know how, how uh, this relates to Christmas. Do the lyric? I mean, I, I guess I haven't paid too much attention. I think to the, the drummer, I think a lot of this kind of stuff, it, this is all related to the, the three Kings and the birth of Christ. The birth the of Christ. I think yeah. The drummer boy was one of the ones who showed up in Bethlehem, you know, doing the little drummer boy thing. A first responder. Yeah. yeah. We thank him for his service. Um, yeah, here we go. In the lyrics, the singer relates how as a poor young boy, he was summoned by the Magi or is it Magi? It's Magi. Yeah gift of the magi uh, to the nativity uh, without a gift for the infant the little drummer boy played his drum with approval from jesus's mother mary recalling i played my best for him and he smiled at me i, I love that it's just like i don't have a gift can i just give you a drum solo <laughs> baby jesus <laughs> and then mary's like sure he was li- i get all right i guess if you don't have anything else. he was literally like an hour old or something he's not gonna be picky it said he smiled. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you just you just play your drum for him. That's that's all he wants. I don't know. I think he was probably a pretty discerning music fan. I think he can tell when when the drums are being played well and when they're not. Sure. And I, I, you know, this little this drummer boy gets a song about him because he shredded in front of Jesus. He just absolutely let loose on that drum. Killed it. Um, this song was written in 1986 and, uh, that, that's really interesting because it sounds like it was written earlier. 
Um, when did this drop? Yeah. Uh, written in 41, didn't really get popular until 58. Wait, wait, really? Mm-hmm. Really? Actually, I would have guessed earlier. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is like a lot of this stuff that we think like the Christmas songs are either from like 1720 or they're from like <laughs> or, 1942, basically. Yeah. Damn. I mean, when did the little drummer boy? He had to wait so long to get his due. Yeah, then. several centuries, several millennia. Wow! So a real undersung, and it's good. Every time you you play this song, it's like giving, you know, it's like having a stream for him. Yes, on Spotify, yeah, he's still earning residuals uh, thousands of years after the fact. Um, yeah, whoever, if you're if you're related to the little drummer boy, you're living pretty good. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. Living high on the hog. Next one is um, called. It's is this an original? Uh, the Christmas was no. I don't. I don't believe that anything on here is is an original. Okay, because I thought it might be, because I'd never really heard of this otherwise. Is this a song that all uh, Christians know? The the Christmas blues. No, 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 no. This is definitely. This is a more kind of modern. Um, uh, Christmas, this is another sort of 40s, what? Tin Pan Alley kind something? of thing. Or not even, no, 59. Dean Martin, 50 Yeah, yeah. The, you're not talking about the, the Christmas blues in the 50s. Yeah. But yeah, this is a song about how the suicide rate is extremely high on the on Christmas. Yes. <laughs> um, when you are lonely, you think that Christmas is just for little boys and girls and it's not for you you joke you joke but literally the second result on google for christmas blues is an article that says understanding and coping with christmas blues from psychcentral.com oh god i mean it's i guess it's something to discuss is you know christmas is a time when um it's extremely hard to be alone um because you want to be with your sweetie baby sweetie baby with your Alsatian <laughs> family. Um, the, uh, the, th- the thing about this song that is, um, is interesting is that it, uh, it, it's sort of an, un- it's sort of an underdog, I think in, in this crowd of songs. Um, nobody knows Christmas blues. Like when you just name it offhand, like, I don't know. I mean, right? Like you don't know this song. No, I mean I I know it. Um this might be the yeah, this might be the uh you know, the gentile in me. Um the gentile in me <laughs> can do most any task. That that that's uh, forthcoming on uh well no, I guess it wouldn't be Modest Yahoo's album of Dylan covers cuz we'd be saying the gentile in me. Um yeah, the gentile in me. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I the do Gentile know it. It's not, it's not one of the favorites, one of the most well-known, I would say. But it's... You know. I, that's what I mean. It's, I mean, I don't even know that my girlfriend who is, uh, I mean, not, she's maybe a little bit Jewish, but not fully Jewish, celebrates Christmas. I don't think she knows this. I don't think her family does. Yeah. It's, it's not one of the uh, pinnacle kind of like absolute classic kind of Christmas songs. <laughs> it's not. Maybe, maybe this is a regional thing. Maybe in Minnesota, everyone knows this song. It's possible, but it's you know, it's, I, I think it's it's good and it's nice and it fits in the same. It's of the same kind of state of mind as uh, "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Well, it's the sequel to "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Right. The soldier has come home and 
he has PTSD, and so uh, his wife left him, and now he's just like a rummy, kind of like drifting around on Main Street on Christmas Eve, and uh, he's gonna you know walk to the bridge and think about be saved by Clarence, Clarence. yeah, exactly, or not be saved by Clarence, as is the case with many veterans. Thank you for your service. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. And a lot of non-veterans, just people who killed themselves on Christmas. Yeah. But I do... I The suicide hotline number is um, 800-273-8255. There you go. You're on some sort of list now that you Googled that. What, the list, the list of... Uh, the list of people who are going to kill themselves. What kind of list? Why would the government care about that? I don't know, you know. It's not. That's like the an opposite of a ter- being on a terrorist list. <laughs> the list of people who won't be our problem soon. Yeah, this is one we don't have to worry yeah. about. Key, whatever you do, don't interfere with this guy's life. Yeah, he's doing great. <laughs> I do think the uh, the 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 Christmas you know blues in not the song the Christmas blues but this this idea or concept of like kind of being sad and lonely at Christmas time is, is something really, uh, for me is really kind of strong and, and, um, affecting, um, because it is such a commercialized holiday as you've talked about. And, and it's always sort of advertised as the, the best time of the year. Everyone's supposed to be with their family and, and so happy and satisfied and complete. And obviously we know that, you know, in the best of years, that's not the case for, for millions and millions of people. And certainly not this year. Um, and um, I know that that difference between reality and and what it's sold to you as is is so um, seems like it can be so um, difficult to kind of um, navigate and get through. I don't know. It just there's there's something uncanny about it that sort of makes me like sad. Um, not that I necessarily have the Christmas blues myself, but it's just it's an interesting yeah, kind of phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I think that well, my favorite Christmas movie is um, the version of A Christmas Carol starring Albert Finney, the musical. Mm, I don't know that I've seen that. Any version of A Christmas Carol, is it's like pizza, you know, it can't be that bad. It's like, but the reason why it can't be that bad is because, like, the thing that really brings that story home um, is, is it's based in that feeling. It's a, about a man who has no, no family, nobody cares about him, because he's an asshole, and um, then he realizes he doesn't have to be. Of course, it's not a given that not being an asshole will um, will guarantee you love and affection. But that's the sort of emotional engine of of that story for me, and, and it is powerful. Just like thinking about how you can be feeling the way this man is, this woman, whoever sings this song, having the Christmas blues. And you you could turn it all around maybe by uh, making some kind of connection. Bye so. bye. What day is it? Today. Today. My Christmas day, of course. It's Christmas day. I haven't missed it. <laughs> well, uh, the next song is called "Oh Come All Ye Faithful." I'm pretty sure this one is a, a older number. Yes, this one is legitimately Christian, not Jewish Christian. I got the hint when Dylan started singing in Latin. In Latin. Uh, this, is, this is from 1744. Uh, so definitely 
a little ways back, uh, formerly known as the Portuguese Hymn for some reason. Um, yeah, this is another Christian one. I can't say it's my favorite. Uh, you know, Bob does a Bob does a good job here, but uh, you know, I, there's only so much I can get out of these. You know, really kind of Christiany hymny ones. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, it it, it sounds good, but um, and I respect that he like did the full Latin at the beginning. Right. It's cool. I don't think there's any other occurrence of Bob singing in Latin. Though. The single known moment of Bob doing Latin. Are, yeah. Uh, I, I have nothing else to say about it, though. Yeah, but it's good. You know, cool. If you like this one, check it out. It's, it's For all you uh, come all ye faithful heads out there, this is certainly one more version of the song. Are there, um, are there like like songs like this in for like Jewish holidays, like not for Hanukkah, obviously, but for like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur or Sukkot or anything. No, not really singing people. Well, no, that's not true. They're, they're absolutely a singing people. In fact, a hugely singing people. A lot of Jewish singing is, um, sort of done you have the a cantor and and it's kind of like versions of passages from the torah mm. uh, or or bits and bobs that are kind of turned into songs they all have that kind of jewish sound right that that a lot of minor it's all like kind of my in minor keys <laughs> um that classic jewish sound i mean actually a lot of jewish singing is what's called a nigun i believe is the term which is like Lie, 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 that sort of thing. Like Destroyer, like Dan Behar, Destroyer. It's sort of like, <laughs> la, 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 la. I mean, that, that is a lot of uh, Jewish singing. Is and uh, I guess it's not yeah, a very, so th- it's it's not really like a choir-based, sort of like a big group of like... No, no, there actually can be. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, a full-on choir, and the cantor is kind of leading them, and they, they really ham it up. It's like watching the like a Jewish opera. Um, but it, there's not a lot of songs like, uh, I'll be home for Christmas. That's fair. Well, next one though, uh, um, this, this might be my favorite and that's have yourself a merry little Christmas. Mm -hmm. When, when was this written Ian? Let's, uh, let's go to the tape here. Should I guess before you tell me? Yeah. Why don't you wager here? I guess it's in 1943. You are, uh, I don't know if you're cheating over there, but you are actually I just guessed that. on the button, 1943. That's so sick. Really? Yep. Wow. Bravo. I just guessed that. And it's actually from, you know, uh, another great American commercial property, a musical. Uh, an MGM musical, Meet Me in St. Louis, starring Judy Garland. That's so... I can't believe I guessed that. I'm very... Um, that's cool. Well, um, wh- why did, Why is it good? You know, it's... I, I just think that this is such a sweet song, and I think that what I like about it so much is that it acknowledges that Christmas isn't that big of a deal in terms of, like anything but the you know, having the people around you that you 
that you like. You know, it's it's a song that sort of um, has its priorities in order. Um, you know, and and acknowledges the difficulty of the season too, right? In its own way, you know, somehow we'll muddle, we'll muddle on or whatever it says. So we'll we'll muddle through somehow. We'll muddle through somehow, but just and and just like the phrasing that the the choice of words is really specifically, I think, really beautiful and sort of sweet. It touches me in my in my Christmas heart. Where, you know, so just like we all know this is difficult. So just have yourself a merry little Christmas, a merry little Christmas. Exactly. The little is sort of the key here in that it doesn't pretend that, that this is something huge and like life changing. It's just about finding a moment of, of solace, a moment of respite from the abrasiveness of the world with your your friends and family if you can manage it you know it even has the lyric uh someday soon we all will be together if the fates allow mm-hmm. so it's like it's all in god's hands we know life is hard but we want to have this moment of togetherness so i think that this is kind of like the perfect christmas song to me i think it really does articulate more than anything else we've talked about the, the sort of spirit and the the heart the christmas heart yeah i think you're, of, of christmas in the heart you're totally right about that and i think that the the spirits that is coming through in the song is why people you know the, like we were talking about earlier uh why people are so eager to get into christmas and start the season as early as they possibly can because this feeling right. is is nice for them and is warm for them and and uh you know daily reality throughout the rest of the year is can be and often is so challenging and crushing and deadening and just like you know just kind of like ambiently miserable um right. and then and then you have something to look forward to at the end of the year and you know and and um um and it might not live up to all your expectations or you might be putting too much on it or pinning your hopes on it too heavily uh, but it's still yeah. you know it's still you still get to to gather with your friends. And Maybe I was a little too harsh on the Christmas uh, enjoyers of the world, <laughs> um, but uh, you know. Well, no, I mean, I, think I, I what what this song does though that I I really respect is that within that framework and, and with it has an understanding of the fleeting nature of Christmas. Uh, it, this song itself is not a song that's putting up the decorations a month and a half in advance. Right, right. This is this is a song that's about just having a special brief time that you know you know all all the best moments are are fleeting, and uh, I guess if you can take away anything from that, it's that you want to live the rest of your life with a little bit of that uh, in the back of your mind. That um, right. The, the good moments are um, to be enjoyed with a sort of, uh, you know, you should, you should savor them. They're, the, the, good, the, the moments are fleeting, but they, they will also come again. Yes, they will they, come again. It's an annual thing. At least once a year, you <laughs> won't want to kill yourself. Right. Exa- well, maybe you will if you have the Christmas blues. Well, um, if you have the Christmas blues, but if you're, if you're on the other side of that coin, um, you, you recognize that, 
this moment you don't, and then 364 <laughs> days of the year you I, do. But really, I do think there is something almost kind of like Zen or um, like spiritual, like not religious, but like like spiritual um, about that idea where um, yeah. where like you know the, the fact that it is annual. Yes, obviously Christmas is annual. We kind of take that for granted, but like you know it, it, it is even if you're in having hard times now or having hard times in, you know, February or something, you, you do always know that there will be another time somewhere down the line. It might be a far time, might not be this Christmas, might be not, not be for 10 more Christmases, but there will be, there will be some time somewhere down the line where things do get a little bit better for you. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, the, the lyrics through the years, we all will be together if the fates allow um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's not promised, but it is it is something that you can kind of uh, pine for and hope for. Um, you know, it's another lyric that I think is a really subtle but significant lyrical touch is at that final stanza. Through the years, we we all will be together if the fates allow. So, hang the highest, the shining star upon, upon the highest, the highest bat. It's this the use of the word so there is actually kind of like. It might seem like nothing, but to me, actually, I, I find that kind of, that's something to me like that's moving. It's like, uh, so just do this little ceremonial act and we will have this time. It's like that so kind of is like a sort of quiet acknowledgement that it's, it's sort of meaningless but you are the one Just who go is with choosing it. to. You're choosing to give it meaning. Absolutely, you, know? you are deciding that this means something. So yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful song, God. and and Dylan does a great job at it. You know, this is a natural fit for him, and I think that you can hear that he uh, has an affinity for for that message. Yeah, it's a very uh, pretty arrangement, kind of lilting, very simple, and you know, he he sings it. Um, Simply, but but you know, strongly. I think I'm getting. Yeah, but this is this is as far as I'm concerned, sort of like the. This is the. This is where it's at. You know? Absolutely. Well, that brings us to where we started this whole thing, with maybe yeah. the, the. This is kind of the the back to back centerpiece of the record here. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how the record. <laughs> Wow, wouldn't it be great to own this on vinyl? But I don't know how it's split up. Is it? Uh, is that the end of side one? Yeah, I guess I don't really know. I I, I assume we're going to run through this here just in one long chunk. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, although this is <laughs> this is already going. <laughs> We've already done ninety minutes, and we're two thirds yeah, of the way through this stupid fucking record. Um, it's great. It's not stupid. You know? I know. I know. Um, I'm converting to Christianity after this. Oh, well, Catholicism. Welcome, you know? <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> Are you Catholic? Uh, no, I'm, I'm uh, Episcopalian. All right, I'm sorry. My people don't really understand that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's I'm a Catholic now. Not a lot to uh, not to. I, I actually, I don't know if there is a. Uh, I don't see a side A, side B split on this. I don't know if it's even been issued on on not. wax. You know, uh, something to bring up um, is that this record was actually uh, done for charity. Did you know that? I did. Which is. You know, really the cherry on top here. It was done for several charities, the names of which you can look up. I, I don't have them in front of me. Uh, the World um, Food Program. Yeah, so about feeding people, and, and that's that's very sweet. Um, all the proceeds and stuff went to that. 
Um, so, again, Jesus, calling this album ironic. Uh, I know. I, 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 cool. I don't want to keep talking about it, but I'm getting angry at that all over again. Here's, here's a quick, just on that note, quote from Bob I, I wish that person, I wish the person who did that, the Christmas blues. Me too. A, a lump of coal, truly. Uh, Bob, Bob says, it's a tragedy that more than 35 million people in this country alone, 12 million of those children often go to bed hungry and wake up each morning unsure of where their next meal is coming from. I join the good people of Feeding America in the hope that our efforts can bring some food security to people in need during this holiday season. What kind of sicko thinks that this is an ironic exercise? Someone who did zero research. A Grinch. Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know, that person doesn't deserve the title of Grinch. The, this this pitchfork writer, not even a gr- a Grinch is someone who understands Christmas and hates it. <laughs> this person doesn't even know the first thing about Christmas. Yeah, lump of coal. I guess that's what you say. You say naughty list. Um, what what's the next song we have here? It must, must be Santa. This is the fucking banger of the record. <laughs> The video is amazing. Um, I can't say enough about it. Bob Dylan is wearing that wig and that hat. It's like a long, straight-haired wig. It's an iconic look. And a black pajama set. It's in like a, a sort of mansion, like mini mansion with like pillars. There's a party going on. Yep. Everybody's having a great time. Some people look like they're at like sort of like like badly dressed for like a Great Gatsby theme party in 2009. Some people are like normally dressed for being in 1949, and uh, then Santa shows up at the end. It's it's so good. It's like a polka. It's actually romp. based on. I'm looking looking this up now. Based on a German drinking song, the Schnitzel okay, Bank so, song. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. This is the best thing that we have here on the record. It's great. Yeah. It's so much fun. I love the way the song sort of builds, uh, as it goes, like it starts with the, the refrain begins with just two lines. Um, you know, after you run through a little bit about Santa and then you get some more and then, then you have a four line refrain and then you get some more and you have a six line refrain and then you get to the eight. And then at the end, it's just like, it's so much fun. It's like, and, and Dylan's, uh, delivery is just like pitch perfect. It's so rollicking. And so like full of life, um, I don't know if you can't, if you have the Christmas blues, you must put this, this on. This is the cure to the Christmas blues. It is. Even if you have never heard of Christmas. If you, even if you just normal want to kill yourself, <laughs> this is the one to put on. It's so good. And watch the video. Um, what a, what a treat. Uh, let's move on. Cause we we're, we just gotta. Um, next is um, "Silver Bells," another song that's pretty good. Um, you know, it's it's strikes me as more modern. When is this one written? In maybe you should guess before you look it up. Mm, I'm gonna guess uh, 1948. I'm gonna guess 1949. No, oh, uh, Price is Right rules, huh? Uh, "Silver Bells." God damn it, 1950. It's bullshit. Wow, I'm, I'm much closer than you. You're cucking me on this, and I'm the Christian one. 
So you think? <laughs> I guess you're you're Catholic now. Yeah, Jesus was a Jew. That's so I've heard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Silver Bells is pretty cool. It's it's also it it does feel modern. I mean, like it's about Christmas time in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 has that sort of uh, all the imagery is sort of like it it feels like of a piece with um, I'll be home for Christmas. It feels like or, you're walking down Fifth Avenue. And all the department stores are all dressed up bright, and you know the sun is setting, and you're wrapped up in your coat, and you're you got a a, a sweetie baby on your arm, and you know you're just yeah. you're having a good time in in New York City in 1950 for Christmas. Yeah, 1950. I mean, just imagine uh. you're just walking down Fifth Avenue in 1950, and you have one million dollars in your pocket <laughs> from doing your. From doing your job at being a coat check guy <laughs> and you're going to buy your, your children like a full scale uh, aluminum race car. Yeah, you're buying them all like <laughs> Ford uh, automobiles, uh, even though they're all nine and they're going to drive them around on Long Island and run over people. But you'll pay like a $15 fine for committing that crime. Yeah. Um Silver Bells is what you're going to be hearing the whole time. Just drowning out any <laughs> thoughts or worries. Just Silver Bells. Clang, clang, clang. Um, it actually, it, here. so here's another Christmas fun. Wow, this whole this whole episode, I'm learning things here. It's, it's packed with Christmas fun facts. Uh, the Silver Bells are, uh, apparently the inspiration is from the Salvation Army Santas who stand outside department stores on Fifth Avenue and clang their silver bells asking for donations. Wow, Clang, Fifth Avenue. I am like connected like the Matrix to the Christmas spirit. You're really right now. you're really kind of locked into the fucking um uh the 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 X-Men computer and just like seamlessly I- analyzing <laughs> all of the Christmas music trivia. I'm gonna be the Pope by the end of this episode. <laughs> uh I don't know, it's a good song. Yeah. Uh Silver Bells. Silver Bells. Silver Bells. Um, the first one's, a, uh, the next one's a little bit of a, a you know, we, we're just, if we're doing that thing, like we talked about with sort of like the zig or the zag or the, um, the yin or the yang, uh, tick tock rather, yeah. as, as we talked about on one of our early episodes about, um, Nashville Skyline. Yeah. Yeah. Is I think back and forth between horny Bob and sad Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this record is really a tick tock between like. I guess there's three things. There's like modern, there's uh, neutral, and like boring classic. Yeah. And and I don't mean boring in a bad way, but the next one is one of those boring classics. It's um the first uh, Noel. The first Noel. Which when when was this written? In- Eighteen something. Thirty three, twenty three. Yeah. It's from England. That's why. Oh, it's British. That vile island. Is is that an island? The UK. Yeah, it is an island. Yes. It seems big for an island. No, it's just you know it's Britain and Scotland. I guess so. It's about the size of California, I think. Oh, never mind. It seems small for. <laughs> just kidding. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first Noel. This is just another. There's so much, you know, what is, what's, what's so great about this Bethlehem? Like, what's so good about this place? 
It's just Jesus, Jesus was born there. It's a famous spot. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I uh, I have not been uh, to Israel on birthright. Maybe you can speak a little more. I didn't, I didn't go on birthright. <laughs> I've been to Israel twice, but I decided, I never wanted to go on birthright. How was the Holy Land? You don't get ice in your drink. Right. Yeah, Europeans are not really... I guess, I mean, Israelis are... We don't want to get into that, but yeah, uh, over there... It has something to do with the desert, I think. It's just like, ice is something you have to ask for. Right. Um, You know, it's like fine. It just kind of feels like a two and a half world country that uh, apparently makes a lot of computers. Right. (laughs) I hear they have good coffee. Did you go to Bethlehem? I don't remember. Probably. All right. I went to the place where like Jesus is allegedly like buried. I think that might be Bethlehem. I don't know. There's like this certain. Pl- I don't think that that's where he's really buried. Uh, you know, there's like the temple on the mountain. There's the the Western Wall, uh, and there's the the big gold dome thing. Right. Oh, I think I think it looks like that's Jerusalem. That's Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, it's fine. It's it's like Mexico, but there's falafels. <laughs> I like Mexico better. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I like Mexico too. Much, but no, I, I mean, Mexican people are better than Israelis. <laughs> uh, I, the first we'll well is out. fun. Yeah, it's fine. Next song, Christmas Island. Another fun one. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Have you ever heard of that fucking pitchfork? Fun. It's great. Oh, but don't you think it's a bit oh. silly? Awful. No, no, this one's cool. Um, it's it's about Christmas Island. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to Christmas Island. Sounds great. Isn't that a real island? It actually is a real island, yeah. And I think that's why the song was written, because it's like... Okay, in that case, I'm going to guess that this song was written in 1952. Can you... That's my guess. Let's I'm just throwing do a, it out. Uh, fact check here. Uh, Christmas. Island. 1955, actually. Mm. I'm going to guess 55. Interesting. When was this written? Uh, yeah, you should have stuck with it initially. 46. Uh, originally right. recorded by the Andrews Sisters with Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadiens. Classic Guy Lombardo. I should have guessed that because it's more like it is like immediately post World War II vibes to talk about like certain uh, islands in the Pacific. Right. Yeah. It's fine. You know, this one's cool. It starts with that kind of like uh, luau kind of guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And the backup singers are, uh, you know, kind of doing a hula kind of. Well, I guess hula is a dance, but. Uh, you know, uh, hula, but if it's a song, uh, apparently Jimmy yeah. Buffett recorded a version of this song that was very popular. Cool. I like Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, he know? seems all right. Banana Wind. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, album <laughs> titles. It's pretty good. It features the song Jamaica Mistake. Right. <laughs> 96. Anyway. Uh, next song. I don't know. What is there more to say about Christmas Island? No, you just, just put like it on. Some... It's going to make you smile. That's all you need. 
Uh, next one, penultimate song, the, the Christmas song. Never heard of it. So, <laughs> song about Christmas. No, no, this is a classic. Yes. Chestnuts. It's an old chestnut, and it features, let's say it together. Chestnuts, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You're, are you a little tone deaf, Ian? I don't think so. I feel so. like sometimes when you sing... You're not trying. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I'd like to think that I can sing all right, but I, it's hard to sing over Zoom is what I've noticed. Okay. We'll have to test this in person yeah. someday. I mean, what is there to say about chest? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ch- uh, I, I guess I never realized that this was called The Christmas Song. Yeah, it's a pretty funny when, title for the song. This, this is going to be the hardest one for me to guess. When, when would someone have had the gall to just be... Dropping a song called The Christmas the Song. The one and only. Yeah. Okay. Should I actually make a genuine guess? Yeah, go for it. This, this this is the bit. 1949. I'm just going to guess that year again. Oh, you're pretty close. 45. Okay. I'm not that close. Once again, uh, written by Robert Wells, born Robert Levinson, a, a <laughs> uh, New York Jew uh, who ended up dying in Santa Monica, <laughs> California <laughs> in 1998. <laughs> Every Christmas yeah. song was written by just some like like Jewish kid from New York who immediately moved out to California and probably bought like a 6,000 square foot house for fifty thousand dollars people whose grandchildren we probably know or have mutual definitely pastrami roasting (laughs) on an open fire i mean this is why you want to you know this is why they have the reputation they do i don't need to i don't want to go any further than that but what what you mean being uh absolute pimps and money-making machines I mean, uh, you know, uh, I think Christmas music is perfect for the Jewish people. It's emotional, it's sentimental, it's catchy, and it makes a lot of money, and it's um, universal. You know, I think ultimately, like, Jews like to make things that appeal to a lot of people, but on an emotional level. Right. And that's why they're so successful in, in, like, art and media. Right. And... It's because that, for whatever reason, that that like sort of lines up, and it lines up perfectly with Christmas music. Yeah, which I think is more to go back to what I was saying earlier, more like secular American music than it is Christian music. That's why a lot of the best uh, Christmas songs are written by Jews. Is that um, th- they come to it with that perspective? You know, it's like right. sort of like like. A, a complimentary ambivalence about both Christmas and America that just like <laughs> creates this sort of sweet spot of being able to make songs that are just kind of nice and about so your family. All of the, so most of the songs on this record are either, uh, uh, old like Christian hymns or New York, uh, uh, Jew Tin Pan Alley songs or the one song written by an actual Nazi. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of Nazi, really. Former an, Nazi. An actual Frenchman, um, a really second-rate Nazi, it sounds like. 
Um, um, what do you think about the, other- the Christmas song? The before we, what do you like this version? What, what? Yeah, it's great. Um, I think uh, this this fits right in in the. I think like the the record. There's that. There's a little triptych with uh, with "I'll Be Home for Christmas" and "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" and the Christmas song. Um, all of these are kind of mid-century um, uh, crooner standards. This one made famous by Nat King Cole, and uh, and Bob takes them all and uh, packages them all and, and sings them all. I think very successfully. There's no, I mean, there's no airs, there's no put-ons, like no. he said in that quote no, earlier. Like he just up. he plays he plays it straight. That's the only way to play it. But his his vocal is so growly. I mean, I, right, throughout yeah. all of this, I mean, we haven't even really. We maybe haven't touched on it as much as we should have. His vocal is so uh, full of character, so growly, so textured, really, right. that it creates through all of these songs that we talked about a really like. I think that's really what makes this record work is that there's yeah. this like pleasant sort of friction and contrast between his vocal and how fucked up, or so <laughs> how, how how gravelly it is, how sort of weird it sounds. And this sort of pristine, classic, but still interesting um, arrangement style that that right. that kind of goes through the whole thing. Yeah, and that that feeling I think is heightened because because you recognize these songs, so like, because you recognize the songs, and because they have been made recognizable by literally like the velvet voiced like heights of American song uh, singers: Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Dean Martin, Nat King Cole. Like, like, can we just talk for a minute about Nat King Cole? Nobody, fu- nobody sounds like Nat King Cole. Like, it's not just the depth. I mean, it's it's a con- sense of control. Like Nat King Cole just had this kind of like preternatural control over every aspect of his vocal delivery that just seems to be like, I don't know. It still it just blows me away. Well said. Yeah, he's uh, he's an all timer, and his Christmas record in general, like um, he's he's one of my favorites to put on around this time. I love it. his record, Bing Crosby's record, and um, and Sinatra's record, and Elvis's record actually. There isn't a lot of material that that Bob did on this record that Elvis did um, on on his Christmas record, um, but those four are all like just absolutely fantastic and packed with with uh, with wall to wall hits. Um, and this one is, I think, it slots right in. Like that's you, you ask yourself, what is Bob doing? What's the what's the approach here? It's that. It's that. He's he wants to line up with them. And sing these songs the same way that all of these other great American singers have sung them. On rough and rowdy ways, there's uh, a lyric. I think it might be in um, on on Key West. He just says like, "I'm like Kerouac and Corso and and Ginsburg." Right. He, he's like the only guy who's left alive who can say that. And from it, that, yeah. And it, it can ju- and he can just mean it. Like, th- who else is around who can just be? Like Bob Dylan is somebody who can be like, I'm like Elvis. I'm like Frank Sinatra. I'm like Nat King Cole. I'm like Kerouac. I'm like Ginsburg. I'm like, uh, James Dean. I'm like all those people. Um, this, this is the first time that he's really shooting for that with like no other pretense around it. Um, he's just, 
tr- say, he's just making it clear that he can be that guy who can just release a Christmas record and you will all accept it. Yeah. You will accept Absolutely. it. <laughs> like, you, you will not argue with me. I kind of wonder and like wish, uh, wonder about what it would have sounded like and, and wish we could listen to a record, a Christian, or excuse me, not Christian, Christmas record released by him in like, you know, 1982. Well, or so, or we have that. It's a little record called Saved. That, a record that I gave three stars and that you gave one star. Evan's looking at me very, very seriously through the Zoom for the listeners at home. I stand by it. I pray to Santa Claus, not to Jesus Christ. I think that brings us to the end here. Last song. Um, what do you think about this one? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Back to Bethlehem. It must be a really great place. Yeah. It's kind of a Christian one. Uh, it looks like it's from middle of the 19th century, I think, 18-something. Can I guess? Should I guess? Well, I mean, I kind of narrowed it down for you already, but go right ahead. 1876. It is from 1868. Yeah, you're pretty close. Well, I'm not that far. Yeah. You know, I just had a feeling like it was from the sure. <laughs> latter part of the 18. <laughs> uh, little Town of Bethlehem. You know, th- this is mm-hmm. a song that um, it's sort of like, you know, any song about New York City. It's like any song about uh, Las Vegas. Or, or I love L.A., you know? <laughs> this is sort of a song about one of the beautiful cities. Right. The the classic cities that we all know and love. New York. City that never sleeps. Bethlehem. You know why they don't sleep? Because Jesus is born there every night. That's a, good, a great point. Do you like this one? Yeah, it's all right. Well, we'll see you in the new year. Uh, from Jokerman Podcast to you, thank you for listening. Um, from Ian and I, Evan, just uh, thank you, and uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Please don't kill yourself. Jokerman. Jokerman.